good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on whenever you're listening to this. Thank you for tuning in to the Restricted Zone podcast. I'm John Wooten, filling in for hosting duties for talent tonight. Unfortunately, he could not make it. But it's four of us here tonight, and it's perfect because the NFL is down to its final four. The Eagles, Chiefs, 49ers, and the Bengals. The number one seed Eagles host the number two seed 49ers, who make their second consecutive trip to the championship week. Second year in a row there in the NFC Championship game. And then the AFC, the number one seeded Chiefs, are hosting their fifth straight championship game in a rematch from last year's championship game versus the number three seeded Bengals. So we're going to have those predictions for you later on in the show. But first, let's get into some of these pressing issues that came from the fallout of Divisional Weekend. But before we do that, let me introduce the rest of the crew tonight. Kendrick, say what's up, man. You know who it is, the smartest man on the podcast, as always. Self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed. Johnny, introduce yourself, bro. Hello, world. Just Johnny tapping in. Not an advocate, just an analyst. (laughs) All right. And Chris, introduce yourself, bro. What's up? How's everybody doing tonight? Let's make this one to remember. Yes, sir. Episode 91. So we're going to start with the Cowboys. We're going to start with something that just makes me happy, and that's the Cowboys' downfall. I pray when this franchise's downfall each and every year, and for the 27th year in a row, for an amount of time longer than I've been on the earth, the Dallas Cowboys failed to reach the NFC Championship game because their offense crashed and burned on Sunday to the 49ers, losing 19-12. to The Cowboys, I mean, it's just year in and year out. They, they get their, their fans' hopes up. They let them down. They crush them. They can't win consecutive playoff games for God knows what reason. Dak Prescott, he threw two more interceptions to bring his season total up to 17. I mean, Dak, he's got two more years remaining on his contract. Cowboys, I mean, what do you what do you do from here? Chris, I'm going to start with you, man. Should the Cowboys, should they move on from Dak? Should they move on from Mike McCarthy? Should they move on from both of them? Or should they even perhaps keep them both the next year? What do you do for Jerry Jones? Well, for starters, um, I'm not going to say fire Mike McCarthy yet because although – the Cowboys underperformed again with him under the helm. They did make it farther than last year, so I guess that means something. So, I mean, you might want to keep him around for one more year just to see how it goes. I don't think you can move on from Dak either because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the guy that they wanted to pay to stay, and this is the product that he's doing. So it's kind of like they're in a tough hold. I mean, fortunately for them, while they're dealing with the free agency of Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott said that he would be willing to take a pay cut, you know, to – make sure that the team is back for next year. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes to the Cowboys, it's just, I mean, Stephen A says the best, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. Because each year they go through phases where they look like a contending team. They look like a great team, especially this Cowboys team they have now. Because even though none of us on this podcast like the Cowboys, I don't think at the same time any of us are going to deny that they're not talented. They're a very talented team on paper. They have very talented players. And I just think it just comes down to the fact that, like, at times they'll look like contenders and at times they'll look like scrubs. And you just never know what the Cowboys team you're going to get. And to us, it's exciting to see because 
Like I said, we don't like the Cowboys. But it's probably frustrating for Cowboys fans. I don't I don't feel for y'all because y'all are annoying, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going through this. This is, <laughs> makes it just it makes me happy, makes me smile. Man, Kendrick. <laughs> but it, it's just it's but yeah, like I said though, it's just tough to figure out where they need to go. Obviously they need to bring back Tony Pollard because yeah. Ezekiel Elliott He's he's, he's gonna be out. For, he's gonna be out for like half the season there next year though. Exactly. No, that's that's tough. So, but now it comes down to: Are you willing to give him a contract, knowing that he's not gonna play half the year? But at the same time, you also need him. So now you gotta figure out what they're gonna do in the draft. Obviously, they need some. They need more linebacker help, and they need more secondary help because then it kind of play. And Dak just finally has to play up to the contract. And I've been saying this since he got the contract. Like, congrats to him getting paid, but I don't believe Dak Prescott is worth forty million a year. And it just continues to show because when the lights are the brightest, he stinks it up. Everybody was talking about how Dak Prescott did good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but nobody, but barely anybody was bringing up the fact that the Buccaneers had it. Well, not only dealing with injuries, but are but pretty much were a terrible team this year. And when he finally faces a good team, you see what he does. Now we saw what he did against the Eagles. A couple of weeks ago, when they got the Michigan quarterback, but at that time, the Eagles weren't playing for anything for them. They already clinched the spot in the playoffs. Dallas was competing just to let them know that we can compete with the best that there is. But then when they play the best, when it matters the most, Dak folds, the team folds, something just happens, and it's going to show you that we think of the Cowboys right now like we think of the Vikings. They're frauds. Nobody really thinks they're going to do anything, even though they have all the talent in the world. So this is they get so I don't know what Jerry Jones could do. I feel like he has no choice but to keep the team together. Yeah, that Christmas Eve matchup honestly was their Super Bowl. The Cowboys fans treated it like it was their Super Bowl, and they just weren't focused on the biggest picture. And that's the Super Bowl, the actual Super Bowl in February. Kendrick, I mean, Chris has brought up Dak and his contract, forty million a year. I mean, has he hit his peak? Like, is this the best? I mean, clearly not this season, but have we already seen the best Dak Prescott? Uh, listen, honestly, I would say, yeah, he's he's close to his peak. He's close to his peak. Um, honestly, I don't think he can really reach a different ceiling. Um, the, well, the only way he can get better is if he doesn't turn the ball over. But I mean, as Chris says, as Stephen A. Smith says, what will go wrong? What if you don't? Ex- whatever he said about going wrong. That's what's going to go wrong with what the Cowboys. can go wrong, will go wrong. Thank you. But, and as you see, it happens every time. Like, this year, look, it was uh, interceptions, and you can see. It's just like, I don't think they can move on from McCarthy or Dak because at the end of the day, you can't put everything on McCarthy. He he puts in the plays. He says, do this and go go make the play. But if your players aren't making the play, what can what how, how much can the coach do? How much... How much are you really going to stop looking at just the coach and be like, well, he he's just not making the plays. So someone has to go out there and make the plays and make the best decision possible. So, honestly, you might as well give Dak, you know, let him ride it out. Let's see. Because at this point, who's going to take up that contract? Who's going to take up over a $40 million contract to uh, someone who gets stuck at the divisional uh, round every year or even the or even doesn't even make the playoffs? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just it feels like. Do you only want to? Are you going to be happy with divisional rounds and be like, well, you know, at least we got there, right? You know. So I just feel like, who's going to take them? Uh, 
you started to break up there at the end, but you know, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Like it's, <laughs> they kind of stuck because they paid him like a lot of money. And we've seen this, you know, with a number of quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers is another one. He played slightly better than Dak this year, but he still had a pretty down year. And it's like, you know, there's talks of trading him. And it's like, well, how are you going to do that? Who's going to eat all of that money? You know, so, uh, Speaking of managerial decisions, Johnny, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, should they move on from Dak, should they move on from Mike McCarthy, but maybe it's Jerry Jones who needs to step down from GM duties. Would you agree with that? You will not argue with the money. You will not (laughs) argue with Jerry Money Banks Jones. Whatever he wants to take on, <laughs> he takes he takes on whatever position he wants. I will yeah, I, I, I know. He, he can, draft he room, can do whatever he wants, but just because you can do something, should you do it? Well, I'll tell you this much. I think he I think he should have um it's weird with Jerry. So remember that little segment? Remember he he wouldn't get out the draft room and like that one year he actually let Hit the people that he hired do their job, but they got like players like CD Lamb and players of that sort. Um, I feel like I've always felt like Jerry does too much. I always felt like he 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 does too much, even all the way down to the like to the creation of the stadium. Remember that Titantron that was just way too low. He just does too much sometimes, and I like the and this into the stadium. Yeah, that bro. Remember that? They can't even get that right. He'd just be doing too much. And general manager is just another. It's is another one of those positions. So yes, I will have to agree with that. But who going to tell him that when he's signing all the checks? (laughs) I do feel bad though. I do feel bad. I do. I will. I do feel bad for McCarthy. I really do. Um, I feel like um coaching. Obviously, we already know the up and hill downs. The up and the up and downs of uh being a coach and a coaching lifestyle, I feel like um coaches like they they are the league is, the league is more unforgiving on them when they have a bad year. Um, I I I generally believe stigmas follow them, unfair stigmas, and I think it's the same thing with McCarthy. Ever since he left Green Bay, <clears throat> excuse me, ever since he left Green Bay, it's been this notion that he's been like a whole hum coach. But like like um like Chris said, he won twelve he won twelve games this year. He he won. They did not. They didn't. He bought them to a better place than they were last year. Uh, pains me to say that, but um. So I do feel bad for him. I feel like they should keep him. I feel like he shouldn't go. Jerry, yes. I feel like he should step all the way down and and just like you know make the right financial moves. Uh, but as far as Dak, you got to draft. Um, you got to draft. Like I think Chris mentioned it. I agree with Chris. I agree with Kendrick. Um, basically, they're pretty much stuck. Um, I don't see his silly getting better unless he just fixes his turnovers. What, what would you say are the, like, the top three positions of need for the Cowboys right now? The top three positions of need? That's for any of y'all, too, to answer. Yeah, I, first of all, def- they need a cornerback for sure. Yeah, line, you linebackers, I want to say secondary. I want to say secondary, they, but yeah, they're young. They, they're young, so no, you, they, they're not they going to do some- that, I, I'm assuming. Right away. No, they need somebody else outside. Yeah, outside I think so. I do. They gave up a lot, but they're they're. I think they'll still like let those guys develop or whatever. Like I think they'll go with that. But positions in need, top three. I'd have to go with. Um, honestly, I don't trust Zeke anymore. I go running back. Um, I'm not. And that wouldn't have been an issue if not for the Pollard injury. You could have. Yeah, just, you and know, that was a horrible tackle. Now you horrible probably, tackle on him. Broken fibula, I think. 
It's a horrible TV yeah, so I'd go, I'd, I'd go running back, like Chris said, linebacker, and honestly, I'm not mad if they draft uh, QB. I like Cooper Rush, but, you know, as, as a backup. Um, but I think in, as, in regards to what you guys said, yeah, that kid is ceiling. You might have to start over. Now, before we move on, uh, go ahead, Kendrick. I will say this, Tony Pollard, you got to franchise tag him because you can't go, like, did, do you feel like, do you feel like, do you, like y'all, they have to ask, did he do enough for him to earn a big contract, even though he's injured? And I feel like they might they make, have all the leverage now. Yeah, and it's like it sucks because he really had the leverage because a thousand yard season as like RB one A to RB one. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I feel like he had a lot going for him, and it just sucks that he ran into this injury. But uh, for the drafting wise, uh, honestly, I go secondary O lineman and quarterback because though I, that that O line's getting old. That O line's getting old. So we got to start. Looking to replace the Zach Martins and all of them. Tyron Williams, a little bit. I think he's a little bit old. They were fourth, though. Fourth in pass protection last year. Only allowed 27 sacks, I believe. Yeah, but you, you see what the Eagles are doing. That that offensive line, they don't stay young forever. So you have to, like, start drafting their replacements ahead of yeah. time. Yeah, that's true. Even even when they're still in the prime, they're kind of like they're still locked in. But once you start, once you hit like a certain age, it's like you should probably just start thinking about your replacements. I mean, um, for but, example, how, how is Jesse how is Jesse Kelsey right now? Thirty five, I believe. Yeah, he's always contemplating retirement. So it's like he, we holding on for dear life. He could probably he could probably still go another two three years. Realistically, right? He, he, but he probably. I mean, I, I, I mean, I know I'll talk a little bit, but I honestly thought this was going to be his last year. I feel, and definitely if, you know, y'all won the big game, I feel like you should just retire. I kind of thought last year would be his last year, honestly. But, you know, they they convinced him. To come well, back yeah, I'm about to say, they, they had him in the office and they told him, don't worry, we'll win. Yeah, like, he, he saw the vision. He, he sees the vision for this season. We're going to get into that later. But before we move on, Chris, I feel like you're going to like this. You know, Jerry Jones like, this guy reminds me of a certain individual. And, Chris, you know exactly who I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Egotistical. I don't want to say I don't want to say senile because that's me, but just out of touch maybe, old, older, full of money, too much money that they, that they can't even count, a huge ego, and they just don't know when to step down. You know, yeah. Vince McMahon, he reminds yeah. me, he's like the NFL's Vince McMahon. Or Vince McMahon is like the Jerry Jones of wrestling, however you, however you want to say it. But it's just, man, like, it's just, me personally as an Eagles fan, I, I want Jerry to, to stay in, in in this position of power that he's in. Owner, president, GM, go ahead, just keep running that franchise into the ground. Because you can win all the regular season games you want, 11 wins, 12 wins, 13 wins, division titles, but... At the end of the day, if something bad can go wrong, it will go wrong. And it feels like with him at the top, he's just overseeing all of it. So I feel like at the end of the day, it really all falls on him. But Hold on. Before we move on, I want to say something about Jerry yeah. Jones. So while I, I, while I do like all the points y'all made about why I think Jerry just stepped down, I don't think he should. And I'm saying that because, again, the Cowboys, on paper at least, aren't a terrible team. They literally do have all the key pieces that they need to win a Super Bowl. Whether, and, I mean, I know y'all don't believe that, 
I do believe that. I mean, it's the mentality, and it's the mentality, bro. Like their roster, I, oh, I, no doubt. they it's, should, it's, oh, they no should doubt. be winning. Like they should at least be getting to the Super Bowls, if not winning no, no them. But it's just something yeah, in that so locker room and that organization. It, Honestly, it is something. I, I know. I don't care either. But I mean, I don't. <laughs> but like I said, I just don't. I don't blame. Like I understand why y'all say, say J.J. stepped down, but I don't blame him for the fact that the Cowboys can never just get over whatever mental hump or that they have going on in them. Because, again, he, if he is the GM, he put the team together. The team ain't bad. The team is not bad. It's just the players do not perform the way they're supposed to or the way they're paid to when it's time to play that way. I can't blame that on Jerry Jones because he's not an athlete. He just hands out the checks, like you said. But at the same time, sometimes you just need to know that maybe it's time for a change. But like you said, too egotistical, man. They just don't know where to go, but you know, let's move on to something. You know, the two franchises who seem to be on the up and up, the Cowboys, you know, they are what they are. They kind of just plateaued. They're kind of stuck in purgatory. But these two franchises seem to be on the rise. The Giants and Jaguars both have very identical seasons when you think about it. They both won nine games with the first-year head coach with quarterbacks on the rookie contract, and they both won – on wild card weekend, and both teams lost in the divisional round, both on Saturday. Just that's like a little Lincoln Kennedy thing there for you. But uh, you know, the Jaguars they gave the Chiefs a good fight. It wasn't enough to knock off the kingpins of the AFC. The Giants defense they were just completely dismantled by the Eagles' run game. Beautiful, beautiful sight to see last Saturday. You know, for Jacksonville, you know, they look forward to year two of the peterson Morris regime. And the Giants, you know, they have a couple of question marks in free agency with Saquon and, you know, in a couple years with Danny Jones. But right now they have about $55 million in cap space and, you know, they have draft picks. So which organization has a better future? And, Johnny, I'm going to start with you. Um. Honestly, I like the Jaguars. I think they're more solidified at the quarterback position. And that's that's it. That's all pretty much. Um, I love both coaches. I love both. Uh, surprisingly, obviously, I respect the Giants running game. Um, but surprisingly, uh, Travis Etienne has showed me he can carry the ball this year. And um, that O-line for the Jags is a little bit underrated. It was very underrated. Um, I know they had a bad showing in the first half against the Chargers. But like I mentioned in the previous segment before, Trevor Lawrence uh, in that second half of that comeback, in that second half alone, he he had a passer rating of 100.8, and they did not allow a sack. So um, that O-line is a little bit underrated in my eyes, and I think that's got a lot to do, like I said, the coaching. Um, I like Doug Peterson. Never think, never thought he should have left. Everywhere he goes, O-line, quarterback just seem to be better. Offenses just seem to be better. And... um. I think, but yeah, I think they're more solidified at quarterback. I think that I, I like the Giants. I call, I've been calling them out all year. Um, I've been saying watch out for those Giants all year, even back in the off season. I liked ever since that coaching move, Kevin the ball. Like I always said, the championship pedigree, him coming over and knowing with and turning that team around with the working with the pieces that he did have, and Saquon staying healthy, Daniel Jones, uh, basically playing with a chip on his shoulder this season. And that that defense just basically, you know, played 
consistently solid, especially towards the end. So as far as the ceiling, though, I go with the Jags. Nah, a little bit younger, but at the same time, they're more solidified at that most important position, and that's the QB. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris, I mean, <laughs> you were very critical in the group chat about this question. You were like, why why even, why the Giants? They have too many questions. So, I mean, can you just expand on that a little bit? Well, obviously with the Giants, the big elephant in the room is you got two free agents coming up. That was basically your entire offense and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So now you got to ask yourself, what are you going to do? Now, for me, while Daniel Jones was impressive this year, he actually looked like a like NFL caliber quarterback. He still has to show a lot to earn a long term deal. So now to figure out if he if you should give him that contract. And then with Saquon, Saquon's had two really good back to back years since he had his ACL injury in, tw- in I think twenty twenty. But now he he's asking for sixteen million, and I heard the Giants' first offer was twelve. So now you got to figure out what's the median, or do you just end up giving him the money that he's asking for? Not only that though, but sooner or later, I think their all pro uh, all pro tackle Andrew Thomas is going to get a contract. So he now needs to deal with that. So now, but in and I'm forgetting somebody else. Not only him, Dexter Lawrence, the best the best player on their defense, needs a contract extension too. So. I feel like just with the Giants, they just have a lot of questions answered. Like, how much are they willing to invest in a team like this? Because the Giants played above played above what they're supposed to play this year. But at the same time, we know that they're still a work in progress. They're nowhere close to a Super Bowl contending team. They have some pieces right now, but what hurts them is the fact that you need to start paying these pieces. And once you do that, you're going to, I guess, slack off in other aspects. And now, not only that, though, you got to figure out how to recruit people to New York. So a big question for this offseason is where, where will DeAndre Hopkins go? As of right now, the Cardinals are looking to trade him, and they probably will. The Giants are a team on that list that he can get traded to. How do you want to get DeAndre Hopkins if Saquon Barkley isn't on the team? Not to mention, you're going to take on Hopkins' long, big contract that he had with Arizona. Then you got to pay Saquon. I don't know if Saquon wants to be in a franchise tag. And just because of too many questions, I think it's easy to say that the Jack, when I went and this question itself, the Jaguars are easily a better team built for the future than the Giants are. But I want to I want to argue another team because, like you said, Jordan, I was talking in the te- and I was talking in the text about this question. So I want to argue another team that I feel like has a very bright future that we didn't talk about, and that's the Detroit Lions. Now, what helps Detroit out a lot is absolutely yes. So what helps Detroit out a lot is right now is that the really the only real guy that they're paying right now is Jared Goff. That's it. A lot of these other players are on very minimal deals or rookie contracts. And they're very good. They're, they're really good. They're young, but they're very good. And you see that with Dan Campbell at the helm, he's taught this team to fight no matter what. No matter who's on your team, just fight and you have a chance. And the Lions proved that they should have been a playoff team this year. They proved they should have been a playoff team. And Hutchinson, I think, should win defensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. So it's gone. We had a we, we we had a previous segment before. I forgot what the topic was, but I think it was like surprise teams or something like that. Somebody mentioned the Lions. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're a team that is like is built to win. As long as they fight, they know they have a chance. Jamal Woods, Yannis, look, 
is a running back duel that I did not see being a top, arguably a top five running back duel in the league. But they are. They really are because they know how to score touchdowns. Amaras St. Brown is one of the most underrated receivers we have in the game right now. I'm glad he's made the Pro Bowl, but I think he made the Pro Bowl as an alternate, which is ridiculous because he's really good. And not to mention, they didn't have Jamison Williams for, what, three quarters of the year. And he's supposed to be a defense that they need, along with DJ Chark. The offense is there, and nobody talks about the Lions offensive line. But weren't they top five when it came to pass blocking protection? I'm just saying, when you look at this team, obviously the work needs to be done on the defensive end, but this is a team on the rise. And I know that the Jaguars made the playoffs. I feel like they made the playoffs, though, because the AFC South was just so terrible this year. The Lions overachieved and certainly made the playoffs. And I know they only this because they lost against the Seahawks. But I digress. But again, I feel like a team that we should really look out for in the tonight, all right. future. <laughs> True. I feel like a team we should look out for, though, is the Lions when it comes to preparing for the future. Just real quick, as you were stating, the Lions were actually, I think, third. Oh, uh, third. They had the third best O-line in the league. Yeah, basically for the Lions this year, offense, really good. Defense, not so much. And I'm sure that'll be addressed in the draft. But, you know, back to the Giants, Kendrick, you know, we, we brought up Saquon and I mean, how much is he is he worth? Is it wise to pay a running back anything more than fifteen million a year for what could be a four or five year contract? Like, how much would you pay Saquon if you're the Giants and you're trying to bring him back? See, that that's really a loaded question, and I'll and I'll tell you why. It's because it's like there's too many unknowns to really be like, oh. Can we go and do that? Should should we give him the $15 million or $16 million he wants right now? And, I mean, if you if you ask for how his right now production is, you would say, everybody would say yes. If a running back, let me, I got to, I got to, I got to, hold on, let me get his stats real quick. Let me get, let me get Saquon's stats. And then, and that's what's so hard to, uh, that's what's so hard to figure out because, Let's see. What, oh, he finished the year with 1,300 yards. And then, honestly, before the two seasons he got hurt, he finished with over 1,000 yards in all of those other seasons as well. So it's like when he's healthy, he can do something, and he can he can be a pivotal part of that offense. But it's like – Yeah, 295 carries. He, he did get a heavy workload, heavy workload. And he what? And I feel like he missed like some – I think he did miss a couple – some time. It wasn't a lot, though. It wasn't a lot. It might have been like a game or two he might have missed, or maybe he got like hurt and he was just out for a while during the actual game. But I feel like you you gotta pay Saquon some money. Honestly, you it's like you gotta put your faith in it, but I feel like you gotta pay him your money after you figure out the other the quarterback first. Because I mean, you can have a running back, you can have all the pieces, but I mean, if you have a quarterback who isn't up to par or even your best case scenario to win. Then I feel like it's just a waste of time. Like, look, I mean, like you can even see it as the Cowboys. I mean, Dak's a good quarterback, but he's a he he is peak. He can't get over that hump, and it's just like that's what they'll be on. That's what the same direction they'll be going to. So they should really, if they really want to trust in Daniel Jones and be like, this year was really the best year, and we feel like he can only go up from this year, then pay him that money. Or do you go out and try to get 
you know, let's let let's see if we can go get Derek Carr maybe. You know, what what if what if we go and try to get Derek Carr and see maybe, you know, bring in somebody different can really get this offense going. And then that can also help you bring in talent at the wide receiver position because people seeing Derek Carr can he can go out and be a good quarterback. You know, maybe Chris has, as a Raiders fan, do you think he's good enough to elevate the Giants? Chris. Listen. Here's all, I, here's all I gotta say. You Let's saw try Derek to bring Carter up did. like old wounds from the season, listen, but listen, listen. I, as as bad as I don't want Derek Carter to leave, you saw what he did in dysfunctional organization because we are truly dysfunctional. Just get him in a proper organization, and I promise you, he will excel. I wish him nothing but the best. I'm still gonna be a fan of his. I'm. It's gonna be sad to see him go. Respect that answer. And that's why I say I feel like they should, you know, they should take the plunge, go after their car, you know, pick up another receiver. Like, that's what I'm saying. They, they Once they start filling out the receiver, I feel like once they get an actual legitimate quarterback, and I feel like that's, that's what makes it so attractive to people to go to. Like, you know, it's like, why would a certain player? Because it's like, look at look at who your quarterback is and being like, you know what, they will make me look good or I can thrive with them next, me being next to them. So I feel like Derek Carr goes there, it boosts up the moral of the New York Giants and potentially getting free agent signings in the during free agency with wide receivers. So I feel like there is some upside to the Giants, and they have a, a high potential to be a real threat in the division and even like even being able to be like a, a, a dangerous threat in the playoffs if they can get the right quarterback. If they can get the right person to control the home at the quarterback position, they're really dangerous. Um, but to answer the question that you stated, honestly, still the Jaguars, the Jaguars is there. They got, all they needed was a coach and they got the coach and we're going to see, we're going to see them blossom into something beautiful. They're, they're going to be, uh, they're going to take over the division down there. They're going to take over the South, the AFC South. They're going to take it over. Honestly, it doesn't take much to take that division over, but if there's any team who could, Right now, it is the Jaguars. But really quick before we move on, your coach of the year, is it Dable or Peterson? I feel like those should be the two front runners for the award. So I'll just ask y'all, just real quick, who you think should win it? Uh, Nick Sirianni. Sir, that wasn't the question, but I understand why you, why you said that. No, I, I heard the question, <laughs> but I don't think neither of them. Do. I mean, okay, they turned their franchises around, but also I feel like when you lead the division – I mean, when you lead the NFL and wins, I feel like that's also a strong factor of why you should also be considered. There is the argument that there's a loaded roster, and that's why Howie Roseman did win his second Executive of the Year award. So, Are, but I mean, but isn't that isn't that what every team tries to do? Like, I feel like oh, that's so, that, that's like that's just like oh well, you know, they have a very stacked team. Okay, isn't that the whole point? Don't you want a good team to be the best team so you can win? Yeah, because it, it, it does take guidance because, trust me, 2011, you know, the whole Dream Team thing, Vince, you know, I don't know why the hell he said that. But, yeah, I mean, that roster was loaded, but they only won, what, what eight games that year? So, but go ahead, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have anything to say. I, I agree with everything Kendrick said. I thought I wasn't. Oh, so you picked Sirianni, too? I mean, he, like you said, winning the most games in the NFL has to mean something. But I guess if you want to be nominated, two, that's insane. I, I just wanted the nomination. I didn't care if you won it or not. But 
But I guess when you have to pick it between those two, it has to be Doug Peterson because, like you said, we we just know the importance of a head coach in the locker room because we knew the Jaguars had this type of potential. I I wish I could have seen what they could have done last year. I mean, they might not have been. They might have been. I mean, it might have been. It might have been a good sign to see. Having an actual experienced Super Bowl winning head coach compared to a glorified guy from college like this. It was night and day. Like, Urban Meyer might be the worst head coaching hire in history, and this just proves that fact even further. Because, yeah, the Jaguars did add a lot of pieces on defense this year, but, I mean, it's, it's night and day. But, Johnny, real quick, who's your coach of the year? Nick Sirianni, sign off. But um, at the same time, I do want to say real fast, I do understand that the coach with the most wins in the NFL, I understand, I understand and I agree with that concept. But to, to, to the other side, to agree with Jonah a little bit, um, I believe that a little bit of that coach of the year board is, a, is surrounded around the coach that can work the best with what they have. And um, so, like, yes, everybody wants to get you know, those Hobby, Hobby Roseman deals type done, those, those Hobby Roseman type deals done. But at the end of the day, if you can't get all the players you want, what do you have and what are you going to do and how can you coach with what you have? So I will agree to, to that extent as well. So with that being said, I give it to Dougie P. He worked with the best roster. He worked with his roster the best based off of that. And I feel like Coach of the Year is a part of that as well. They did have an incredible run to win, to uh, end the season. They won the division. But to play devil's advocate, I mean, Dable really, he I feel like he did the most with the least amount of resources. I mean, yeah. Daniel Not an Jones, advocate, just an analyst. Yeah, like, Lawrence, better quarterback than Daniel Jones. I think we can all agree on that. More weapons. I mean, the Giants had, like, 20 guys on the injury list this year, so – you know, and they won a playoff game, too. Like, they didn't just show up like, you know, the Eagles did last year and get blown out of the door. They did in the divisional round, but, you know, they went on the road and, and beat a division champion in the Vikings. Yes, we, we called them frauds, but they still won 13 games. Giants went in there and beat them, and they did it pretty handedly, too. So, you know, showing some love to a rival. They're not the Cowboys, so I don't care. But um, before we get on to our conference championship game preview, one more pressing issue from Divisional Weekend, and that's the Buffalo Bills. I want to save this for last before our predictions because I feel like it's just, man, it's frustrating, honestly. Even as a, like a non-Bills fan, like it's just frustrating to see this team. We talk about the Cowboys and their potential. I mean, the Bills, is like they're knocking on the door every year. And I hate to keep bringing the Eagles up, but it reminds me of those early 2000 Eagles who got to the NFC Championship game three years in a row and lost three straight times before they finally got one. It, it, it feels like this with the Bills, even though they haven't gone to the conference championship every year. But four years now with um, Josh Allen in the playoffs, and they just they haven't been able to just not only knock on the door, but just kick it down. I mean, the offense on Sunday looked completely anemic. They lost 27-10 to in the division round to the Bengals Sunday. And, you know, they had the OT loss at Houston a few years ago. The championship game loss at Kansas City, they lost by two scores. An overtime loss and a rematch the next year. 
and now second consecutive divisional round loss. I mean, can the Bills and Kendrick, I'll start with you. I mean, can the Bills ever break this glass ceiling? Yes, they have almost everything. Oh, they're almost a complete team. And until they actually complete the team, then we'll always get almost out of everything they do. Almost, oh, almost a conference champion. Oh, almost made it to the Super Bowl. Oh, almost did this. Because it's just like they have to actually get a running game outside of just Josh Allen. Because it's getting ridiculous. Like, yes, okay, you want him to be Superman every step of the way from passing, running, doing this. It's just he, you gotta, you gotta relieve the weight off, you gotta relieve it off his shoulders. You have to actually get a, a, a solid running game where you can you can trust someone or you can trust the whole committee. And I feel like they try and trust the committee, but they're just like, nah, we're just going to go Josh Allen. Oh, you know, Josh Allen can make the play. And they're not allowing other players to blossom and be in that role where, like, give me the ball and I will and we can take you can put it on my shoulders. Like, he doesn't have to run it. We can have the run game through me. It's a great addition to have him in the run game. As you can see, a dual threat quarterback is, is you know, the new the new wave of this of this uh NFL and how quarterbacks should play. And that's perfectly fine, but when you he- make it heavily on the quarterback, it won't work. You won't win. It's just not a winning way. And so, once they do that, and honestly, yeah, once they complete that, then I feel like we can actually start taking the bills and remove that almost from them. We can we can remove it if they actually get a committed run game because with the addition of Von Miller and with the addition and how the defense plays and it, barring some injuries to some some safeties that have happened, uh, they're they're a very good team on both sides of the ball and on special teams as well. They're a very good team. They're almost a complete team, but them not having a solidified run game ruins them every single season and every team that we have seen, no matter what it, during era of football. Having a run game leads you to winning championships. So once they complete a run game, then they can do something. Yeah, I mean Devin Singletary, he's not a terrible back either. I mean, yeah, I had him on my fantasy team. You know, he put up some some pretty good numbers for me. It was very inconsistent, but I mean, he had 819 yards, nothing to sneeze at. But he only had 177 carries. I mean, I just talked about Saquon. He had 295, which is kind of overkill. But this is, you know, the complete opposite. 177, I mean, that's just not enough. I mean, can, Chris, you know, is there is there something missing other than the run game? Is it, you know, they need more defensive pieces, you know, maybe some O-line bolstering? You know, what is it? Um. So, well, first thing I got to say, Kendrick, that might have been the smartest thing I heard you say on this entire podcast. So I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. I think that offensive. You're welcome. Anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. So anyway. Okay. Um I don't think I don't think it's anything that the Bills really need. I just think it was something that they were missing. I mean the, there was a reason they went out last offseason and signed Bob Miller to that huge contract. For the playoffs. Now, we all know Von Miller, unfortunately, tore his ACL. And who knows how that game could have gone if he played? Who knows how, if the Bills could have dominated that the front with Von Miller at the helm? I think that has to take into effect because, again, they signed him for the purpose of playing playoff games. 
So I don't think it's anything that they're missing, but at the same time, I also would give them a pass on this year just because of the fact that, one, they lost their key free agent signing, and two, they had the whole DeMar Hamlin situation that came up, and we're all grateful that he's doing better. But at the same time, I mean, that can mess with your mental. And, I mean, I know you want to go out there, you want to play for him, you want to do – you want to do such and such, you want to win it for him, and you might want to, and it's sentimental and all, but just because you want to do that and be sentimental doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. That stuff, that stuff stays with you. It wears you down. So I feel like that has taken to a factor on why the Bills didn't make it or reach expectations this year. So I feel like they should get a pass for that. But just to get the piggyback of Kendrick, they're not going to win a Super Bowl if they don't have a run game. And it just feels like when – the lights are the brightest, and even though, yes, you have Josh Allen at the helm, and yes, he is a great quarterback, we've seen Josh Allen make mistakes. And sometimes you need to be in a situation like, okay, it's a third and three. I need you to get three yards for me. And I, I don't know if they don't trust Singletary, because like you said, Jordan, he's not a terrible back. He's not. He's pretty good. But I don't know if they don't trust him, but every time they need short yardage, every time they need something to happen, they just tell Josh Allen, make it happen. But you're not putting any faith into your running backs. I mean, you you drafted James Cook for a reason, but he barely gets in the game. You have Devin Singletary, but he barely gets he barely gets rushes when they when they need him. And I feel like the Bills are trying too much to mimic the Kansas City Chiefs, which you don't need to do that. You don't have to win with the Chiefs formula. The Bills have the right pieces; they have the team to win it all. The the thing is now that they need to execute like the Buffalo Bills. Stop trying to copy. Well, well, what I feel like copying what another team does. Like, the, we know that the Chiefs, 19 out of 10, they tell Patrick Holmes, here, here's the ball, take us take us there. And the Bills are trying to do with Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen can do that, but at the same time, you have to put your trust into your other players. That's why they're there. So it's when, they, when the Bills can learn to trust their running backs, they'll be able to win a Super Bowl. I hope they realize it sooner than later, though. Yeah, it, it feels weird because the Bills, you know, they're a perennial playoff team. They like they're a good team, but it just feels like they lack some sort of identity. You know, at least on the offensive side, it's kind of just like the Josh Allen show, and then you know Stephon Diggs as well, Dawson Knox. They have some good weapons, but it feels like everything just revolves around Josh, and it just feels like he's being asked to do way too much. So, I mean, Johnny. How much longer do you see their championship window being open with the way they're going right now, with this style of play, with this coaching staff, with this, you know, this core that they have? You know, how how much longer can they stay in this championship window? If they don't switch it up, I give them about uh, two, another two years if they don't switch it up. And honestly, like Chris said, yeah, I give them another two years if they don't switch it up. But like Chris said, it's not. It's more so what they were missing, and not just Von Miller. Um, I don't know when Micah High came back, but Tre'Davious White was coming off of a torn ACL last year, and um, he had he started playing good towards the end of the year, but still was showing a little bit of, a, a little bit of rust back there. I think they had Elam back there. He was a rookie. Um, they were they were missing pieces in the secondary a little bit, and like you guys said, I do want to stress that they they I personally feel like. They just should have ran the ball more, and that's just pretty much simple. Like you said, Dev, he Singletary wasn't a bad back. He averaged seven yards a pop, almost eight, almost seven and a half, eight yards a, uh, a carry. Like you gotta, I, yeah, I, I think his inconsistencies were due to them like just not running the ball as much. 
and we've seen what happened to teams that don't run the ball as much. Um, Tampa Bay didn't run the ball as much. Um, it's a couple of other that that doesn't like teams that really have the running like have the running back but don't run the ball as much. They normally don't really have success in the past experiences from while, from how I was watching football. But I just think they should just give him the ball more, and that's just plain and simple. You got Josh Allen. Like, I don't know. I think I don't like, all right, it's weird. I think the NFL just figured him out because um, I, he only threw like two interceptions in the red zone in like the first four years of his career. I don't know what happened this year. I don't He led the NFL in red zone picks. I, I don't know what happened. Um, I guess the NFL just figured him out. But if that's not a sign to run the football, I don't know what is. Like they, if they don't change that run game, I give them two years. All right. You heard it from the man, Johnny, two years. Bills, get it together, because Bills Mafia. I mean, they deserve it. They they've been to they've been through too much as is four straight playoff losses, then that extended playoff drought. Now they've been in the playoffs, you know, five times in the last six seasons and four years in a row, and it's just it's nothing. Not even a conference championship to their name. But speaking of, let's get into it. Let's get into our final four. Let's get into the conference championship games. In our predictions, we're going to start first with the NFC because they play first at 3 p.m. My Philadelphia Eagles, your one seed, NFC East champions, back in the suit, back in the, excuse me, the NFC championship game for the first time in five years since the Super Bowl run in 2017, hosting a number two seeded NFC West Division champion for the Niners, who are in their second straight championship game in the third and fourth seasons under Kyle Shanahan. MVP finals, Jalen Hurts leads the number three offense in the league against the number one. Defense in the league led by Nick Bosa. And the last time these two teams played in playoffs, all the way back in 96, uh, wild card game in Candlestick Park, Eagles got shut out 14 to nothing. It's the only time they've been shut out in the playoffs. So this is the first time since 96 that these two teams have met in January. The last pick of the draft, Brock Purdy. He's still unbeaten, a perfect 8 and 0, including the postseason. So, Johnny, I'm going to start with you, bro. Who is lifting up the George Hollis Trophy on Sunday? Eagles. That's why I went to you first because I, I knew it was just <laughs> straightforward. Eagles. 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 So, no, but no. Um. I, I, all right. Basically, and this was tough. I'm not gonna lie. I do. At the end of the day, we are analysts first, and you gotta give. You got to give respect to the Niners. Yet again, they find themselves in another, in another position. Um, I, I personally, I have to say, I have not seen another team in like in recent football. I have not seen another team other than our Eagles, um, perform in a system as far as that, that contributes to the quarterback, uh, like like the 49ers do. Like they remind me, who do they look like? Like a little bit like us in 2017, right? Like an underrated, no-name quarterback, solid defense, good coaching, couple of trick plays here and there, good run game. Looks like us a little bit. I do have to admit that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the quarterback, especially when you're this deep in the playoffs. And I just think I don't know whether that comes with who makes the least mistakes or who makes that one play or that you need to solidify the game. But at the end of the day, I think – Jalen has more experience. I think he's the better quarterback. And this type of game, when you match up on every other cylinder, I mean, maybe you can look at special teams and maybe we get a couple of plays there. I'm not 
who knows? But when it comes down to run games, uh, defenses, front fours, secondaries, receiving core even, dare I say receiving core, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, um, you got to watch out for those guys. George Kittle, one of the best chip, one of the best chip blockers I've seen. He can, he can chip block and just take it down for 12 yards. Like their tight ends match up with us. Um, Debo, AJ Brown, uh, it, it, you, it comes down to the quarterback. That's the only thing that's going to save us. And at the end of the day, it's going to, it's going to be Jalen. I don't know what he's going to do or how he's going to do it, but I believe Brock Purdy, we're going to hit him with something he ain't seen before and he going, and he, he's just going to fold. He's going to make a mistake. I feel like Jalen's more composed. I feel like he's been here before, especially after taking his lumps last year. Um, I have to go with the better quarterback in this situation, and that's us. Yeah, I mean, you said it, Kendrick. How do you feel? It's, it's it feels like the like unstoppable force meets the immovable object. I mean, it feels like we've been on a crash course. For this game for the last two months, Eagles, 49ers, top two teams in the NFC. The only two teams with an extended winning streak all year. How do you see this one going out, man? Uh, it's going to be a close game. And there's a, you know, I just feel like, as Johnny was saying, it's going to be about the quarterback play. I really don't think it's going to come up to the quarterback. Because they're both going to make their plays. But I really think it comes up to the D-line, the D-line O-line. I think it comes up to the trenches and who's going to outperform because, I mean, you have Nick Bosa over there at the helm and then you have us with Hassan Reddick, I guess you can say at the helm. But, all you know, it just comes down to that trenches. Who's going to have the better O-line or D-line? Who's going to be able to move the ball on the ground? Because um, it just goes to show, like, we're both a run, we can both run the ball, both, you know, the Eagles and the 49ers can run the ball, and they can do it at a high efficient value, especially when you have Christian McCafferty, um, and Mitchell back there, and we have, you know, Miles Gainwell and Boston Scott. We both efficiently move the ball, but especially with our own line. So I just feel like it really comes down to who can stop them from running the ball first. That gives them, that, and that already, uh, gives a higher percentage of uh, the team who's going to win that game. Which I believe in the Eagles D line over the 49ers D line comparing to, cause it's like, look at, look at the level of play that our entire Leon has compared to their uh, D line. It's like Nick Bosa, but outside of Nick Bosa, then you have like, you know, you don't really see it, you don't really talk about anybody else on that D line versus when you come to our D line, you can talk about, there's, you know, there's four or five people all, you can talk about the entire front four and then also, um, the back and our, and like our, and our, and our fillings as well. So it's like we just have the depth in our D line that I feel like what makes us more dominant and what actually is going to be the hindrance that actually slows down Brock Purdy. And I have to give him his props. I will give Brock Purdy his props. But I still think at the end of the day, honestly, it's the system and not so much the quarterback because I feel like with the weapons around him, it's not you don't have to do too much. You don't have to, you know, overly exert yourself in other situations. So I just feel like. You know, it being the system, being the 49ers way. And I can't really say agree with the whole thing that it's, uh, it's like us in 2017, just because it's like the 49ers have always been this, this style of team. So it's just like, you know, since Kyle as Shanahan. Far as the, it, it, it reminds me of us. It reminds me of us as far as the concept. Fair, fair. 
Uh, so, but it's just like, you know, it just really, honestly, it comes down to the, um, offensive D line. It just comes down to the trenches. Who's going to win that battle is going to win the game. All right. And Chris, last but not least, how do you, how do you feel this one going out? You kind of, you don't, you're the one who doesn't have a dog in a fight. So you're, you know, you're seeing this more objectively. How do you feel? Um, I mean, this is the matchup I want to see. I definitely want to see the Eagles versus 49ers just because of the points that both Kendrick and Johnny made. Just the fact that it's really like a bet. It's really like what you said. It's like that. Yeah, I can't even talk right now. I'm sorry. It's just so evenly matched teams on paper. Unstoppable I mean, force both, against the immovable object. Yes. And yeah. when you look on paper, they, like their, their playmaking players match up with each other. Like, the Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey match up with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Gainwell. Uh, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith match up with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, they because they, they just all had players all over the field that can make plays. And I mean, I do agree with Kendra. I think it's going to come down to who's going to own, who's going to win the battle up front because they're both they're both right top two when it comes to de- total defenses. And even though the Eagles defense, the Eagles offensive line is probably the best in the league. The 49ers O line is also still pretty good. Like they protect Brock pretty well. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what's that matchup. Like a matchup I wanna see, I wanna see Trip Williams against Asai Rennick. I think that's gonna be a great matchup on the line to watch. You got two all pros going back and forth, so it's gonna be a fun matchup. And I also think it's not gonna come down to what quarterback plays, but I think it's gonna come down to who makes the least amount of mistakes. But with that being said, I do think that the Eagles will end up winning this game because I just honestly feel like they, they are just the most complete team in the playoffs. And they have the most to play for because from what I see, when Super Bowl team wins, it's tough to keep the whole team together. And the Eagles have 17 free agents at the end of the season. So it's going to be tough to, if you win a ring, keep all 17 of those. So you're going to lose some key pieces. You might lose somebody like a James Bradbury. Who knows if you're going to have the money to pay somebody like a, C, a C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I mean, who knows if Miles Sanders? Who knows if y'all lowball Miles Sanders? Who says he doesn't want the franchise tag? So it's big questions. Who, who knows if Jason Kelsey comes back or not? So it's big questions that the Eagles need to answer, and I feel like they don't want to answer those questions without a ring to the name. I feel like they, it'd be a much easier process for them if they win this ring. So just for them looking like the most complete team in the entire NFL this whole year, I gotta say I'm not gonna go with the Eagles winning a close game. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird feeling because the Eagles are not the underdog this time. Like, they are a favorite. It's not by a lot, but they are favorite in this matchup. I forgot to write down the lines for y'all, but two and you, know, you can just look them up. Yeah, two and a half. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird feeling. Like, seeing your team just dominate throughout the whole year. Like, we've seen it a couple of times before now, but, you know, the first time I was – you know, I was like seven years old. I hardly remember it. The last time, yeah, we had a great regular season, but then the Carson injury happened and just everything just became a big question mark. But now it's like, all right, like, like this is yours to lose. They exceeded my expectations personally. I only had them going, you know, 12 wins and a playoff win, you know. They exceeded that. Now it's like anything less than a Super Bowl appearance is just a disappointment. So they got a pressure is on the Eagles, but I feel like it's not going to cost them to buckle because there are guys in the locker room who have been here before, and it's just Jalen Hurts, man. He He's like the X Factor. Like, this dude, he's had so much. He's He's been through a lot, 
you know, and I thought he just got that chip on his shoulder. The whole thing at Alabama, you know, coming sh- coming up short in the championship game, national championship game, you know, getting second. I think he was second in Heisman voting. He, he didn't get the Heisman, you know, in Oklahoma. You know, so it's just his own fan base. I mean, just forget about the, the media, the national media, and, you know, the national fan base. But the Philly media, a section of the Philly fan base, some of these so-called Eagles fans doubting this kid up to this very point, guys in the Philly media doubting this guy. So it's like, like he said, he's not hungry for this. He's starving for this ish. So, I mean, we're, we're just going to see what he has on Sunday. But moving on to the late game, it's a rematch. Last year's championship game, Cincinnati Bengals, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a huge upset, huge comeback going 27-24 to in overtime. This is the rematch. This year, the Chiefs are getting the one seed, hosting their fifth straight AFC title game against the AFC North champion and defending AFC champion Bengals in the title game at 6 p.m. Andy Reid is coaching in his tenth championship game, 10. I think only Belichick has coached him more. Um, Reid, he, he, you know, it hasn't been, you know, the best of times for him in this round. He has a record of 3-6 and six in his previous nine appearances. Joe Burrow is not only undefeated in road playoff games, 3-0, and He's also undefeated against the Chiefs in his career so far at 3-0. Pat Mahomes, 2-2 in title games. This is the tiebreaker for him. So, either the Bengals go to a second consecutive Super Bowl or the Chiefs go to a third in five years. Chris, you're like the AFC ambassador here on the podcast. So, who's lifting up the Lamar Hunt trophy on Sunday night? I'll go to you first. I think I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think the Bengals gonna go back to the Super Bowl. And it's it's not that I don't trust the Chiefs and the Chiefs ain't gonna put up a fight, but it's just after what the Bills did I said Bills. After what the Bengals did to the Bills last weekend, it's just tough for me to just pick against Joe Burrow right now. He that that was one of the best games I've ever seen Joe Burrow play in, in the NFL. And the way he looks right now, he looks like the Bengals had some unfinished business. He he looks like he was upset about not get, about not raising that trophy last year, and he wants to rectify that. So it's gonna to be tough to take down this Bengals team because the deep, the defense isn't the best, but they play at the right they but they play great at the right time. And even though the offensive line the offensive line still stinks, that's still their main problem. Like they lost three of us to Lyman last week, and they still made easy work of the Bills. It, it's just insane that even though the half the line is depleted and the line is still terrible, they don't give Joe Burrow like any time in the pocket, he's still able to make plays and you just can't take take that for granted. It's tough and it's just tough for me to pick against that right now. So I think the Bengals are going going to arrowhead and they're going they head back to the Super Bowl. Kendrick, what say you, bro? Uh honestly, I'm sticking with Joe Shiesty, you know? You gotta <laughs> Joe and Jamar? Like, there's, I feel like, you know, that's really, uh, the Chiefs kryptonite, and I feel like it's going to be for a long time, because I just feel like the Chiefs, I mean, the Bengals just have the Chiefs number, and they just can't get over that hump, and this is going, what's going to hinder Patrick Mahone in his career, dealing with Joe Shiesty every single time he has to meet an AFC championship. It's like what the Chiefs are doing, 
to the Bills is what the Bengals are doing to the Chiefs. Is like they're getting a taste of their own medicine of just like a team just having their number. Yeah, and honestly, you hate to see it. You really hate to see it, but you know, somebody there's always a bully that bullies the bully. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like. I'm actually going to put my money on the Bengals. I just feel like they're just overall, also their weapons that they have, like with the with the um offense and even the defense stepping up and the offensive line playing well. Even though because they've been in rotation with that offensive line, it's like a new guy all the time. There's like injuries that they've been dealing with on their old line. I think their starting left tackle might be out for the game. Um, so it's just like you know, and they're still getting through. They're still keeping Joe as clean as possible, and he's still being able to make those throws, those those um those great decisions, those great throws to make a play, and you know, propel his team to win. So I just feel like, uh, overall, the Bengals is gonna get it. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a very it's gonna be a high scoring affair. I would say definitely a high scoring affair. But I got the Bengals taking it out by a touchdown. And last but not least, Johnny, any love for the Chiefs, man? Any, any love for Andy Reid? I mean, three and six and championship games. Can, can he pull off the LeBron and get the four and six? Not with that secondary. Too many rookies. And that's what it's going to come down. I mean, unless Travis Kelsey can prove, I mean, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, unless he can pull off a miracle again at the end of the day, I think Burrow might be the kryptonite. But I. All right, not an advocate, just an analyst. We'll, uh, I'm curious to see about that run game. Chiefs have an advantage in that. Um, even if Pat Mahomes' ankle is a little – we don't know how that's going to be. Isaiah Pacheco had a very decent year this year, very, very excellent year, and the Bengals struggled to run the ball at times during the season, even though Mixon – he was mixing and matching last week. I'm not going to lie. He was snapping on the Bills. But so maybe he'll carry that momentum into it. But I'm interested to see about that run game. Um, Joe Burrow gets the ball out fast. Um, Chris Jones is leading that pass rush, and they do get to the quarterback. Um, I don't think ultimately those receivers are going to be stay, um, uh, those corners going to be able to stay with those receivers. I think Joe gets it out. Um, I really want to go with the Chiefs here, though. I, I, I really do. I really, really do. I, I really want to say Pat Mahomes gets over that hump. Arrowhead, they're calling it Burrowhead, but it's Arrowhead. Like, this is your house, Pat Mahomes. It's going to be loud. Ah. Burrowhead is insane, bro. <laughs> bro I, this is my first time. It's, it's very, it's very wild. Yo, uh, that's crazy. You know what? I'll go Lone Wolf tonight. I'll close, I'll close this out with Lone Wolf. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to say Pat Mahomes checks off that last, that last check mark. Or that, that, he checks off that last box, that uh, last box on his bucket list. Basically, of his NFL career, he's got to beat Burrow. I don't think he's going to beat Brady, so you can scratch that off. But, <laughs> but Burrow, yeah, I think he gets over the hump. Finally, I'm just going to go for the sake of Lone Wolf. But ah, ah, that I bite my the way. bite my nails on that. It definitely can. But um, just really, 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 really quick before we before I sign off here. What's the most ideal Super Bowl matchup? Like, this, not what you think will happen, but what do you want to see happen? For anybody. Andy Reid versus Philly. Yeah, that feels like the obvious one. Distorting my lies. Or maybe a Super Bowl for the rematch. Yeah. 
I wouldn't mind. See, I wouldn't mind seeing the Bengals against. I wouldn't mind seeing the Bengals against the Eagles. I want to see how that high-powered offense does against Philly defense. I wouldn't mind seeing that, or for Niners defense, but since I think the Eagles are going to win that one. But I, in a perfect world, though, it should yeah, be Jalen Hurts versus Joe Burrow. I'm not really like Andy, Re- mm. Andy Reid versus Philly sounds like a way better storyline. I can already see. I can already see the promos leading up to the game now. Yeah, I'm about to say that's they'll feed off of that. That's gonna. I'm gonna be, be so torn. Going. Like it's. Hurts it's, gonna like Wesley, it's gonna be like Wesley Snipes, man. New Jack City. Like I'm gonna be crying with the gun in my hand. Like sorry, Andy, we got. Sorry, we got to do it to you, bro. Hurts in Mahomes. Oh my god! What if, what if, what if any read to the Eagles, bro? That he, he might. He might. He might. Yeah, man. What if any read to the Eagles? It's just like. As an Eagles fan, how would you feel? I would be, a, I would be upset. Bowls? I would be upset, but I wouldn't be torn up by it. Like it's just, I don't know. I take it personal because listen, honestly, I'd rather see the Chiefs than the Bengals. Just on the sole fact of dealing with the offense and being like, you know, it's a, it's you can you can kind of you can handle a little bit more of the Chiefs' offense than the Bengals' offense just because of the weapons that they have. And like, I feel like our D line can actually, you know, do. I feel like. And I think Jalen would like that secondary up personally. True. But I honestly would want the Eagles versus the Chiefs just because it would be the easier matchup. I don't really care for the storyline about Andy Reid coming back or if he beats us. I'm going to be disgusted that he beats us because also he never won one with us, you know. I, I take that personally. But, uh, but, uh. Essentially put it that way. Man, I don't hold any animosity towards him for that. I mean, they choked. Like, 2002 was a bad choke job. Like, that was terrible against the Bucks. Last game at the vet, that was terrible. But, I mean, you look at the rosters he had. Like, he had great defenses, but his offense was, like, like, T.O. was the best receiver McNabb had, and he had him for, like, a year and a half. Like, I'm not – I said what I said. I'm biased. I, I hear you. I hear you, but oh, – I don't – I don't feel – I'm happy. I'm – congrats you on, but, like, I don't feel extra – I didn't feel extra right. happy. And he does have his ring already, so he – Yeah. So I'm like, why well, – I didn't even care if he ever did win one afterwards. I'm keep, I'll be honest with you because, like, he didn't, he didn't win one with us. So I don't see I was, any – I was, happy, I was happy for him 2019. I was happy for him. But, all right, we're going to end it there. It, it feels like the consensus here is, you know, Bengals, Eagles, Super Bowl 57, but the games have to be played on Sunday. I cannot wait. That'll do it for episode 91 of the Restricted Zone podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We always appreciate you. Whether you're, you're listening in full, you listen to parts of it, you come back to it, whether you just got it on mute and you want to give us the play, you know. Thank you. Like, regardless, appreciate you guys. As always, you can follow us on Instagram. All of our Instagram should be in the bio of each episode. And you can listen to this on any, basically any podcasting platform spotify apple I, I don't think we're on stitcher but we should i'm gonna talk to colin about that but you know whatever you guys are listening to continue to listen thank you and good night